0: find the words of my text beloved first of all in Exodus 19 the verses 4 5 and 6 and in the second place second I mean first Peter 2 9 where we read God's word as follows first of all Exodus 19 4 to 6 ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and now I how I bear you on eagles wings <coughs> and brought you unto myself Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. You notice, here you have one of those famous so-called conditional sentences. The condition that God puts to Israel. Here am I, the
1: living God. Here are you, Israel. In between me and you stands a condition. If ye will obey my voice. If ye indeed will keep my covenant. Then you shall be my
0: peculiar treasure. You one it plainer than that. That's what they say. That's the condition. We'll see. And then we have in the second place, you can tell that Peter had read this revelation of Exodus in the connection, in the connection, but also in the text itself. It's almost verbatim the voice of God to Moses. But also in the connection, he's talking about Israel, he's talking about Zion, he's quoting the Old Testament. And then he says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That same, that same strange word, peculiar, peculiar, is a peculiar word. That ye show forth, sh- should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thus far, in the history that we are tracing, beloved, we have come at the, at the eve of a very important juncture in the sojourn of Israel from Egypt to Canaan, a very important juncture, perhaps the most important. I'm not sure. But it seems to me it is almost the most important juncture of all. I was debating in my own mind what is more important, the passage through the Red Sea or the passage through the River Jordan after four years of wandering, or at this place. But this may be the most important. What is this most
1: important event? In the midst of thunder and lightning and a great earthquake, God comes down and says, You are my people, and therefore thou shalt have no other gods before
0: me. The giving of the law, which is also called a covenant, which is a great, great benefit. The Lord allowed all the heathens to walk in darkness. And more and more the knowledge of the law dwindled down to almost nothing. Being darkened, being hardened, being darkened again, more sin, more thrown, thrown them into all manner of lasciviousness, unspeakable. The light of the law of God dwindled out more and more and more. But
1: here the Lord is reaffirming himself. And out of the mount in the midst of thunder and lightning and an earthquake, He tells them, I'm God, and you should walk godly before my face. Thou shalt have no other God
0: before me, and all the other commandments. It is a great blessing to have the law of God, to know the will of the Lord. This may be the most important. I don't know. (coughs) It was to a day, it was to a day, three months, after they came out of Egypt. They had passed Rephidim where the Lord had showed them the gospel. Jehovah standing on the rock and smitten for the sins of the people and the water of life gushed out out of the rock. They had passed Rephidim. They had come in the wilderness of Sinai and camped at the very foot of the mount of God subsequently Moses was called by God come up into the mound and the Lord spoke to him and he said go down tell the people of Israel the sons of Jacob these words and those are the words of my text and in those words of my text illuminated by the words of Peter also spoken by the Holy Ghost in the New Testament I find there Jehovah's loving reminder, Jehovah's loving reminder. It's very plain, the Lord is rehearsing. And then there are three points. In the first place, a reminder of his wondrous works. We, we, we need that. Certainly Israel showed that. Israel showed it time and time again. It was wearisome. How they showed that they, have, they forgot. We too, we forget. You can, you can tell that, but whenever you complain, you forget. That's why the Lord cries out in the Old Testament, what
1: complains, any man. If you want to complain, complain about your sins.
0: Never complain about anything else. So Jehovah's loving reminder of his wondrous works, that's the first point. In the second place, of Israel's call to obedience. That in the second place. And that's based on the first. That's what those people that believe in conditions forget. The second point is of Israel's call to obedience. And in the third place of Israel's blessed estate. Now I'll say it again. The whole text is Jehovah's
1: loving reminder of his own wonderful works of Israel's call to obedience, of Israel's blessed estate. These
0: three thoughts exhaust the text of his wondrous works. And it hadn't happened in the corner, it had not happened in the corner, the Lord says, you have seen,
1: you, all of you, the two million of you, have seen what I did unto Egypt. Egypt of all persons. Egypt of all peoples.
0: Egypt by far was the leader in civilization. We marvel today when we study the contents of the Egyptian papyri, papyri, that's a specially treated paper, that they used to write on and to leave their chronicles. And they are dug up and found in the pyramids, especially in the tombs of the pharaohs. We marvel at the civilization existing at the time of Joseph and the time of Moses. That period is one of the greatest periods of Egypt. Great civilization. Leaders in art, architecture, industry, commerce, agriculture, irrigation, very rich, abundant in gold and in silver, and in slaves, in bodies and souls of men. And the Lord says,
1: now you have seen what I have done to that tremendous great world power.
0: Rich, yes. But they were all so guilty. There was not a nation on earth that was so guilty as Egypt. In the first place that is so because of the so-called blessings of common grace. America, apart from what they do, America is a great deal more guilty than Afghanistan or Pakistan or Nigeria or Algiers or any other backward country and people that stands to reason the more that is given to us the more shall be required so also Egypt it was a leader more will be required because they received greater manifestation of God and his goodness the goodness of God they saw the rain that came down that's a testimony of God's goodness always everything that happens in nature And in history is a testimony of God's goodness and his power and wisdom and might. And they stood in a veritable reign of manifestation and revelation of God so that Romans 1 says, they knew God. And knowing God, they refused to obey him and serve him. Egypt was very guilty. But they were especially guilty. There was a special guilt attached to Egypt that was not shared by all the other nations. they kept in bondage the people of God. And that was especially wicked for two reasons. First of
1: all, because the only spiritual goodness that existed on the earth was in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is a peculiar goodness and righteousness and justice that is found in the world only in the church. There is something in you
0: that you'll never find in the world, no matter how pleasant, how beautiful, how straight, how upright, upright, how honest you might find people in the world.
1: There is not the goodness of Jehovah reflected in their hearts, such as in the church, no matter how
0: sinful the church is. You take now one of the least esteemed of God's people, God's servant Lot. Now certainly he is one of the examples in the Bible of a slothful Christian that is more concerned about his pocketbook and about his land and his cattle than about the company of God's people. He left Abraham for a Sodomite wife, and sodomite children, and sodomite possessions. And he lived there all the day, although every day he vexed his righteous soul. There you have it. He vexed his righteous soul because of
1: the filthiness of the people round about him. There is something peculiar, something good, something glorious in every child of God. And therefore they were guilty. They were good people.
0: They were evil thinking. They said, well, pretty soon we're going to have an enemy. And this people here will turn with our enemies against us. Come on, let us oppress them. Let's kill the little children. That made them guilty. In the second place, and that is worse yet, they had a special, a special chronicle in their history
1: about Joseph. Joseph was the savior of Egypt. He was the savior of Egypt, mind you. And Joseph was persecuted in his children. In spite of all what Joseph had done for the land of Egypt to save them,
0: in a carnal sense, they oppressed the people of God. So they were guilty unto hell. And so the Lord says to
1: Israel, You have seen what I have done to Egypt. Those terrible ten plagues. Death and destruction reigned upon Egypt.
0: You saw it all. And in Goshen, not a dog lifted his tongue against you. And then, you have seen what I have done to Egypt finally. You saw the very cream of Egypt. Pharaoh and his host, the cream of the nation, go down in the Red Sea. You've seen all of that. And that's only the negative part. That's enough. It is enough. But the positive, the positive is, is even sweeter and more beautiful. You have also seen how I bear you up on eagle's wings and brought you onto me. You've seen that. How I bear you on eagle's wings. The same writer, Moses, In the same Pentateuch, in Deuteronomy 32, uses the same example, only he is enlarging on it. And that shows you a beautiful picture. I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 32 verse 11, as in Moses says it in the name of God to Israel. When they are just about ready to go into Canaan, then he uses the same
1: example. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone
0: did lead him. And there was no other God there was no other God among with them. What a picture. Indeed Jehovah had done that. He had taken Moses. And. Don't send me Jehovah. The Lord had to take him. Go. You're going to be like a God unto Pharaoh. The Lord has stirred him up. But the figure. Of the eagle. Or rather the vulture. Which is the real name. The vulture does that too. When they look around them. And see that the. eaglets, The little eaglets, Are old enough To fly. Then he is stirring up his nest and throws them out. But at once dives under them and he flutters above them and below them. And if he spots one getting weary, like an arrow, he comes under them, spreads his wings and bears them up. That's the picture of Israel. It was time
1: to be stirred up and to travel to heaven. And so the Lord has stirred up Israel. You have seen.
0: Chapter of the Bible. That the Spirit of God was brooding upon the waters. The same word is used. So the Lord is fluttering above the church always. To spy out the weak ones. So that he may dive under them. And catch them on, their, on his wings. And brings them to himself. So Jehovah bears Israel. For three months, he brought them unto Myself, he says. I brought you unto Myself. That's the end of all religion. That is the covenant. That is God and men united. That is Emmanuel.
1: That is the greatest bliss that a man may ever get. Is to be brought unto the living God to be enfolded in his bosom. That's the end of all religion the unity between god and his people those are the wonderful works of jehovah of which
0: he reminds his people in a very loving way what a loving picture he uses i destroyed all your enemies they're gone You never never think of Pharaoh anymore and of the hard-ass masters. Now apply that, will you? Apply that. Israel is gone. Israel is gone. The Lord Christ, in one of his parables, when he asked the Pharisees, what did my parable mean? they knew that he spoke as of them of carnal Israel and the Lord himself made the application I'll tell you what the king will do that destroyed his son and his messengers and killed them all and persecuted others he'll take these miserable men and he will he will kill them and allot them their portion where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth Natural Israel is gone. But the truth of my text remains. This morning, Jehovah lovingly reminds you by name, the 65 families, myself included, you have seen what I did unto Egypt. What does that mean? You've seen what I've done unto the devil and unto the world. That's the meaning you've seen that you've seen it in your own day and you've seen it in the history of the world and it's always the same picture the world is raising its head and is knocked down by Jehovah the world finally in the fullness of time raised their heads and the whole
1: world was united around about the cross and the whole world and the nominal church they all cried away with him let's kill Israel
0: And Israel was Jesus.
1: Now is the world judged,
0: says Jesus. When he went on the cross, that is the judgment of the world. And the crucifixion is the crushing of the head of the devil.
1: He thought, his head, he thought, that's the end of Jacob.
0: And it was the very beginning of Jacob. The very cross. Is the foundation of the new world Now is the world judged When they crucified the Lord of glory Which is Israel You've seen it And you've seen it How that he bore you up On eagle's wings You've seen that You experienced it There was a time that he stirred you up He stirred you up in your death
1: In your darkness in your world, in your iniquity, in your guilt, he stirred you up. And of course, as the little, the little eagles, as they fluttered and be- became weak,
0: they were in their misery, and they cried out. And the Lord came under you, and He bore you up. Another figure, He will gather the little ones in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are a bit young indeed beloved we have this morning here Jehovah loving reminder but that's not all you have in the second place Jehovah's loving reminder of Israel's call to obedience. And that's where the church goes wrong, especially in our latter days. But they have throughout all the ages. I've investigated that, and they've always misinterpreted in the Bible the if clauses, the if clauses. And now... What they forget, first of all, is the connection. Now, will you please watch? The first part of my text says, uh, You've seen Israel. Right before your eyes, you've seen I speak the truth. I destroyed
1: every enemy. And I gave you every loving protection. I brought you unto me. And then, what is the next? What are the next two words? Now, therefore, for that reason,
0: that's the first thing that you don't see, for the reason that I have destroyed all your enemies, and for the reason, therefore, for the reason that I have brought you unto me, and given you my covenant experiences. For that reason, if, for that reason, is.
1: Put it this way. Since ye saw the destruction of your enemies, since you saw that I loved you and that I drew you to my bosom, for that reason, you are to be obedient.
0: That's a very logical connection no one can deny that it's the effectual call but let's consider their view let's consider see where we get I'll go all the way and then you're going to see that it is in the first place silly in the second place impossible in the third place wicked it's both silly impossible and wicked we'll go their way and we'll read a text now therefore if ye will obey my voice indeed and and you have to repeat if here if you keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me now let's go their way and then you have to start out with this. They are not a peculiar treasure yet. Because that's the result. They are no peculiar treasure. They are not a whole nation. They are not a peculiar people. They are not the chosen of God. They are not regenerated and converted. Of course not. Otherwise, right at the start, if they, if, if they would say that, then they take away all the, the, the very nature of a condition. And the very the language here, too. So you have to start out with this. You have a bunch of people there. The Lord has a bunch of people in front of them. And then the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says to that bunch of people in front of him that stand by Mount Horeb, a bunch of carnal Israelites, And he says, now look here. Here is my proposition. I'll make you a proposition.
1: On the condition that you obey me so that when I say don't sin but be holy listen to my voice have faith in me and in my servant Moses. That's the condition in the first place. My second condition,
0: keep my covenant. Well, God's covenant, what is it? His covenant is in two words, love and friendship. The covenant is God, you know that. It originates with him. God is a covenant God. That means God looks at himself as the Son, at the Holy Ghost, and he loves both. The Father loves both Son and Spirit and they in their turn they love the father and they have friendship too because they always talk together they're continually talking god is a talking god so much that one of the persons his name is the word the word of god christ is always the expression the son his peculiar work is to express what lives in the heart of the father and the medium the medium the
1: means for that is the holy ghost now So that they're always exchanging the thoughts of the heart of love. That's love and friendship. That's God's covenant. Now, you people, on the condition that you keep that covenant. Number one, that means that you, that you treasure it. That you love it. That you live it. That you pour out your heart to me. That you listen to the pouring out of my heart to you. And that you treasure that relationship on the condition of all that.
0: You shall be my people. That's the condition. Now don't you see the silliness of that? Isn't that silly? Talk to a bunch of dead people, absolutely dead in sin and misery. They have nothing. Because they're going together, there's a reward. They're going together, there's a reward. Because it says it in the text. I'll read it again now therefore
1: if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth are mine
0: everything is mine but then you're going to be a peculiar treasure you'll go to heaven i'll make a new heaven and earth for you isn't that silly to make that it a condition but isn't it also impossible Isn't it absolutely impossible that the Lord would make a condition like that and no more and just stand there waiting? What will happen? Isn't that also very wicked? Because it is contrary to the truth? What is it then? It's very simple. You know, we make things uh, profound that we finally get confused and mixed up. You must first watch that now therefore don't forget that those are important words therefore beloved shows that you have built a foundation otherwise you never use the word therefore from therefore follows a conclusion the end the concluding end comes after therefore now, therefore, whenever you use therefore, then you say, because, then you have a cause in mind. If you say, for, then you have a reason. When you say, in order that, you have a purpose. All those words have meaning. They are conjunctions. This is a conjunction of conclusions. Now, therefore,
1: well, what did the Lord build? This. I love you! I protect you. I kill your enemies. I stir you up. I bring you my bosom. Therefore.
0: Don't you see that in the first place? But in the second place, that if clause is nothing else but a matter of fact. Now therefore, if you obey my voice. Why did the Lord use that if? Well, because there were many there in whom he was not well pleased. The Lord never talks that way in heaven anymore. He does it on earth while he is gathering the elect out of all nations and tongues and tribes. He who always uses the eighth clause. It's a matter of fact.
1: Since I love my people, since I plant my Holy Ghost in their heart and give them my word, if any of you obey my voice,
0: you thereby prove to yourself and to others, that you are my child. That's all. It's a matter of fact. The Lord points out a matter of fact. He preaches there like I preach. I can say that today. If, if you bend your ear and listen to the word of God and
1: take it to heart,
0: you prove thereby that you're a child of God. What's wrong with that? Isn't that logical? Why don't they read those clauses that way? That's the way it should be read. And then there is a connection between the four going. But now I ask you, what is the connection now between, if I'm a conditioned man now, I'm going to preach conditions. How will I ever connect verse 4 with verse 5? Verse 4 says, you've seen it. I destroy your enemies and I take you to my bosom. Therefore, if you obey my voice, you're going to be my people. I was already. I was already his people. I was already in his bosom. Don't you see it has no sense? No, but this has sense. You are my people. Israel is my
1: chosen inheritance. Therefore, if any of you obey my voice, you prove thereby that you are my
0: peculiar treasure. You show to the others round about you, and you prove to yourself that you belong to me. Isn't that clear? if you obey God's voice that is something God's voice God has many voices but he he means hear a particular voice Pharaoh had a voice too he had many voices there is a voice in creation Every little creature has a loud voice. Of course, we are dead. That's why we don't hear it anymore. But every creature has a loud voice. And all those voices, each in his own way, and each in his own tune, they all say, Jehovah is God, Jehovah is God, Jehovah is God. That is the meaning of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and His permanence showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There you have it. There is no clime, there is no nation, there is no land where his voice is not heard. There are many voices of God. There is not a meaning here. That's the voice of nature. In the second place, there is a voice uh, that resounds in the heart of every man whether you live in the gospel or whether you live in China. There is not a Chinaman right now that lives in the hinterlands of China that never saw the Bible, but they have a voice of God in their heart. There is a testimony, and that testimony is called in the Bible, conscience. Conscience. Every man has a conscience, except some that are very close to Jesus. They may have a conscience burned out. And right in the midst of the most beautiful manifestation of Jesus Christ, they can curse and hate and be full of hate. They are, they are
1: close to the unpardonable
0: sin. But the Chinaman, you can't find, you can't find a man with a burned out conscience in China. They're too far away from Christ. But they have a voice of God in them. The word conscience means this, that you have a knowledge with God, a judgment about what you do and think and speak. They know right, right well whether they are rascals or whether they are lovely and sweet. They know that. They recognize the difference between good and bad. That's the voice of God. The voice of conscience. But that's not meant here. No, what is meant is here is the
1: particular voice of God. Spoken in this instance by the servant Moses. The record of which is right here and is the basis of my preaching. The basis of all my preaching is the word, the particular word spoken by God. A word unto salvation.
0: That's the word that is meant here in that so-called condition. But it isn't. And the obeying of that voice is the same thing, exactly the same thing as faith. So much the same thing that commenta- I mean, translators of the Bible, they usually don't know what to put down, to put down obey or faith. I'll give you an example. When you go home, and if you have a Holland Bible at home, then be sure and read, do that one. Read the last verse of John 3. Will you do that? Read John 3, the last verse. There it says in the Dutch. Or let me first say the English. The English, the last verse, says this: He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that doth not believe the Son hath no life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So it is there a matter of believe or not believe. But now watch the Dutch translation. And that's because of what I tell you. Obeying and believing is about the same thing. You read in the Dutch, di and then zon the table. Ma in the torn life of him. I'll translate it. In Dutch it says, He that believes the Son has everlasting life, but he that is he that is disobedient to the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You notice that? The Dutch has he that is disobedient to the Son, and the English, he that does not believe the Son. Because it's the same thing. Same
1: thing. It's faith. Here is the point. The Lord says through Moses to that two million people, faith will show what kind of a man you are, or a woman, or child.
0: If you have faith, then you certainly will be my peculiar treasure. How in the world would we ever know then? The Lord does that purposely. He puts all those if clauses there in the whole Bible so that the church may have comfort and that you finally may come to yourself and say,
1: Oh, hallelujah! I know I faith!
0: And I tell you, here is a man that knows what he's talking about because I went through that myself. There was a time, beloved, that I walked around and I, I envied God's people. Oh, how I envied them. Ever since the Lord arrested me on my godless way, whenever I looked upon God's people, I thought, Oh, you blessed people, you blessed people. And I always, I always wanted to be in their company. I
1: always sought out, as a young man of 20, I sought out all people and talked to all people
0: because I, I didn't ask them. I was too shy. But I wanted them to talk and talk and talk about their heritage. And I had nothing.
1: Until the power of faith in my heart told me. You are
0: his. You are his. Especially that Psalm 42. Oh my zeal, what buigt thou neder? How often, how often that Psalm came in my soul. Waartoe zei ik in Why are you disquieted within you? hope thou in God that was my testimony I, I found the solution of the if clause no condition that's nonsense the Lord says set yourself if you are in the faith that's the meaning of the if
1: you two million if you see faith in you
0: then you know that you are my peculiar treasure. That's the meaning. That's the way we always have to preach. We have to keep on preaching the word of God until the church finds out, day after day,
1: I belong! I belong to Him! I am His! I confess my faith!
0: And you are blessed. And it is still clearer when you come to the second if and keep my covenant. How silly to make that a condition. And keep my covenant. I always tell young people when they come to me and say, Dominic, how can I know that I go to heaven? That bothers me. How many young people in my various churches have asked me that already? In different ways. I I can feel it come when they talk to me. Uh, When they hesitate. That question often comes to young people just before they make confession of age. How often have I told them, there is two things, my boy or my girl, there is two things that I would like to know. What what do you think of yourself? And for that matter, older people too. That is an eye-opener. What do you think of yourself? Take a good look at yourself stand before the mirror of the Bible and then look at yourself. What do you think of yourself? Oh, and then usually it comes pretty quickly because young people are more honest than older people because they haven't sinned so much. In a time, they, 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 they very soon say, oh, don't worry, I'm ashamed of myself. That's a very good sign. But the part of positive, that's here. Keep my covenant. I, all, I say to them, what do you think of Jesus, what do you think of the Lord, what do you think of the church? <coughs> what do you think of the Bible? You want to go away and live in the world and never, never have a Bible anymore, promise me, never read the Bible. You must never anymore pray. Never go to church anymore. Never live among God's people but live, live, fall off, fall off in the world. You ought see how they answered. They could never do that. Not have the true children of God. The true children of God, they keep his covenant. To keep the covenant means this. The covenant is God himself. And to keep it is this, you know. To treasure it. To treasure God. And all that God stands for. That is to keep the covenant. If you keep the covenant, then you go to heaven. It's the comforting message of the text. And then he reminds them of their blessed estate the close fits the beginning first the lord tells them of the wonderful work and then he shows clearly that all
1: those wonderful works they go through them in obedience in obedience and in keeping the covenant
0: and then it ends up in that beautiful last verse which is explained by peter he certainly must read, have read that text and then here he wrote it but he wrote it in the New Testament style. So he added something to it. In the first place. Then you shall be an, a peculiar treasure. The Lord says that to you. Not because he he don't know that. He isn't that he wants to find out. The Lord don't want to find out whether you are his treasure or not. He knows that. He knew that from eternity. He wants you to
1: experience and to find out. How you come to the knowledge of.
0: The fact that you are saved, the assurance the, 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 the assurance of faith. He wants you to find it out. And that that is through the way of obedience and keeping the covenant. And that way you find out. I often ask the young people in catechism, we have that in one of our questions. How do you make your election sure? That's quite a question. How do you make your election sure? I've asked them, I said, now suppose that you go tonight... Uh, on Saturday night you go to the Majestic Theater, you go to the theater on Saturday night and then you, uh, you hear, you see all the breaking of God's commandments and all the filth and all the miseries in the midst of the laughing and joking or crying, it may be a tragedy, the crying world and you come out of the show and you go to church and you take your hands to the table of the Lord and take Lord's Supper and you say hallelujah I am saved, is that possible? It's possible that you do it. But it's not possible that you find out and say, Hallelujah, I am saved. Rather, that you say when you take that bread, Oh God be merciful to me, a sinner. All right. The Lord the Lord gives them a reminder of their blessed estate. How? By
1: calling them, first of all, a peculiar treasure.
0: That is peculiar. You know, I studied that word peculiar and I found out it is very peculiar. The very sound of it is kind of peculiar. The very origin of the word means uh, that it is a special possession. Uh, that it is a prize possession. It emphasizes what is on the end of the sentence there. Among all your possessions. Because it says there, the Lord says to Israel, now remember Israel, Egypt, the dead and the living, they are mine too. All the devils are mine. All the rocks and the rivers and the brook and all the people in the whole world The heaven and the earth the sun the moon and the stars it's all mine but you are peculiar
1: you stand out among all my possessions and i in all my heart looks at you
0: that's the idea that's the richest of the church higher than gabriel and michael because you are you are
1: clothed with and you are included in Jesus Christ the righteous.
0: That's the idea.
1: My peculiar
0: treasure. And that treasure shows the preciousness of it. You have a combination of peculiar and treasure. I have many treasures. But you are the most peculiar treasure of all my treasures. Isaiah must have read that because he says the day in the day when the Lord is making up his jewels like a black like a goldsmith that takes gold and platinum and all various precious stones and he makes a setting when the Lord makes up his jewels he's talking about the church so you will be in the new Jerusalem a
1: kingdom of priests
0: Peter gives the New Testament. A royal priesthood. The same thing. That means two things. Priest. When we shall be millions of years in eternity in heaven. And when there is no suffering anymore. We still be priests. When Golgotha is fast. And there is no more altar. We still be priests. You see back of all priesthood is one central idea. Whenever you think of priest, then you must think of the heart. And when you think of the heart, you must think of love. You shall be receptacles of my love. That's the idea of the priesthood. Isn't that plain? When you think of Christ as priest, as high priest, you think of Golgotha, how that he offered himself on the cross as the altar. But isn't the bottom of all that love? God so
1: loved the world
0: that he gave his son. Christ
1: so loved the world
0: that he gave himself. And the Lord will make you a kingdom of lovers. Your whole life shall be love. And remember, you've got to start that now. Why do you think I asked you to write a letter to Nettie? You hear me? Why do I ask you to write a letter to Nettie? Don't you love her? You ought to know what she says to me about those letters. One day she got seven. Another day she got only one. And that was on outside of our church. Will you write her? And always do that. Send those cards. When you're lying there, it is wonderful. There's only one example. We have to show that love. Now we love it.
1: Show how much
0: you love one another. It was told me once. We ought to show Dominie, That we are part reformed. Somebody told me that once. Well why don't we? We ought to show here in Hudsonville. And wherever you live. That we love more than the others. That's the victory. The love of God. To one another. And to round about us. As in the days of the Roman Caesars It is still written in the books The history books The world they said to one another See how they love one another And kings That means you're going to
1: rule Christ is, God is above all The second in command is Jesus And you shall be with Christ In his throne Judging the whole world
0: and ruling over all the works of God's hands. Everybody is going to serve you that you may serve Christ and with him serve God unto all eternity. And the final point is made by Peter because Moses omitted prophecy. He was himself the great prophet and spoke the words. But Peter added it to it. The final purpose is that you may, might show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. That's prophecy. And that is this. With all the love of your heart and with all the power at your command, you and I, when we are in heaven, we shall always point one another at that glorious and beautiful God. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy goodness and for thy love that thou hast like an eagle like an eagle born of aloft, law hast fluttered, thou hast fluttered above us like the brooding of the Spirit to get under us and to bear us up on thy wings and to take us unto thee. O oh God, we thank thee. We thank thee that thou workest within us Obedience and faith Love and kindness Give us more and more and more of it And pardon our sins In Jesus name Amen